0: what's going on ladies and gentlemen this is muscle and this is another two line music cuts entertainment report podcast and today we have a living legend in the building we're talking about this man here He's not a rapper whatsoever, but you know his name. Listen, he's one of the most notorious, but one of the most thinking people you could imagine right now. You know who we have in the building? We have Freeway Rick Ross in the building. (laughs) What's going on, Big Boss?
1: (laughs) Just finishing my little workout, man. Yeah. Breathing breathing a little hard right now, you know, uh, sucking in all of the the things that's going on in the world right now. Trust uh, me. it's a trying time.
0: Trust me, we know this. And right now, where are you located?
1: I'm in Los Angeles.
0: You're in Los Angeles. And what is it like out there right now? Are you guys under quarantine? You guys are out of quarantine. What's it like out there?
1: We we're we're out of quarantine. Uh but we still have restrictions. Uh I I I, I thought we should have stayed in quarantine at least another month, maybe two months. Okay. Uh but you know, Donald Trump was pushing the country to reopen and, and uh Mm-hmm. And they broke in and they did it, but uh, yeah. the numbers are going crazy right now. I think we're getting like five to six thousand new infections every day.
0: That's crazy, crazy. And this is just in the LA area or the whole of the US? Yeah, right? this is
1: just this is just LA. Wow. The US, the US. I think we're getting forty forty five thousand new new infections every day.
0: That's insane! Wow, yeah. wow. And how has it affected you or your business since we're all in quarantine right now?
1: Well, uh, I haven't been able to to travel and, and do you know a lot of a lot of my stuff is speaking engagements, uh, so I haven't been able to travel. But you know, I've just been finding other ways to work. You know, uh, doing interviews on Zoom and uh, working my social media, uh, as well as uh, getting my marijuana line together.
0: Yeah, uh, we see that. <laughs> we definitely yeah. see that. We're going to be getting into that shortly, still for sure. Okay, so you say you were you were traveling and you were speaking around the country before, but now, I guess, clearly we're grounded, so you can't be doing that right now.
1: Correct, correct. Uh, yeah. And right now, I don't really want to be around people mm-hmm. because we're supposed to be social distancing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when people come up, you know, sometimes people come up and want to take a picture, I man. Mm-hmm. I feel bad, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're not supposed to be taking pictures. We're not supposed to be close to each other. Yeah. Uh, especially not without our mask on.
0: Yeah, definitely. And they recommend that you wear a mask right now when you go outside. Correct. Yeah, that's the same thing happening in Toronto. Have you ever been to Canada before?
1: I haven't. Uh, I don't know if i ever be able to come because I yeah. hear you, have, you guys have a law that uh, they don't allow convicted felons inside of Canada.
0: Yeah, well, the trick with it, just like everything else, you understand if you go through the right, connections the right doors the right people anything is possible
1: okay okay well i definitely would love to come to canada and uh i have a lot of friends over there you know (laughs) one in particular jay worthy me and him been friends uh since i got home almost okay uh, he's canadian so yeah uh, i definitely want to come over and see what it's like
0: yeah no definitely especially how you're in the marijuana business canada is definitely a stronghold when it comes to that right now
1: yeah. Yeah. You guys are uh, federally legal. So um, yeah. you guys are doing uh, uh, publicly traded companies and, and all kind of stuff over there that uh, mm-hmm. that we're not allowed to do over here yet.
0: Yet. You guys are getting there, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, these people are still run by the good old boys, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, they like to keep things the way it always was. And they don't like yeah. to change.
0: Yeah. No, you're you're right. Let's get into the actual story of Mr. Freeway Rick Ross here, all right?
1: All right, let's do it.
0: How did you originally get your name Freeway? Did you get it before you actually got into the game or you got it after you got into the game?
1: Uh, before. I was Freeway before I got in the game.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did you get your name?
1: Uh, it's crazy. We used to play football and, and uh, everything we did was on the side of the freeway and when 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 i started low riding mm-hmm. uh it was a guy who who was really like the the, the top guy of the low riders and he started calling us the freeway boys and, and the name just stuck
0: yeah okay so there was more than there was freeway rick ross i know was more of you guys in the crew also
1: yeah it was yeah it was it was about 30 of us maybe
0: okay but you actually but your name stuck as in freeway rick ross
1: yeah i i've always kind of been like a leader you know Mm -hmm. of the group Mm -hmm. and uh you know people remember the leader they may not remember the group but they remember the leader
0: always (laughs) the lead singer they always do i know it's you know what it seems like you're you're a bit tired there because i know right now in la it's what 9 a.m right now
1: yeah that's late though i'm not i'm not tired i wasn't even from there i just finished my workout
0: got you got you
1: i'm trying to i'm trying to lose this weight i'm about 15 pounds too heavy
0: hmm Because you've been grounded. You didn't actually get to go on the road.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But I was gaining weight before that. You know, when yeah. when, when I left jail, I, I, was, uh, I was only 7% fat. I was really nice. Okay. Great conditioning. Yeah. So I, I want to get back to that.
0: Definitely. All right. Because I know originally you started out wanting to be a professional tennis player. That was really your goal in life. Yes.
1: Yes, and it was.
0: The funny thing with it, especially coming from South Central L.A., there wasn't really much tennis players. It's more or less basketball, football, probably even soccer or something. Why did you choose tennis of all sports that you're going to?
1: Well, I wanted to play football and basketball, but uh, when it was time to go to high school, I was, I was small. Mm-hmm. And none of the coaches paid me any attention, so uh, I had to do something else.
0: Yeah. Okay, so tennis now, because I know, as you said, you were too small for basketball and football and stuff like that, so you chose tennis. So, actually, how good were you were at tennis?
1: I was pretty good. Um, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't the best in the world, but uh, I, I had. I had. I had a few good wins. You know, okay. um, uh, Lawrence King, who who was on the circuit, I think he was ranked in the top hundred. Uh, okay. Whenever he came off the tour, he would come and uh, and and get me to uh to work out with him, so I was good enough to work out with him and give him a workout. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, I beat I beat a guy who one day became the top twenty in the world.
0: Um, I beat him when we were younger. Yeah.
1: Um, I you know I had a I had a few good wins.
0: Yeah. Definitely tennis, eh? So then I know with the journey, because I've done a lot of research, I've been looking at your stuff, your documentaries and all this stuff. So then I know, when did the inception of Superfly hit first? Did you actually see Superfly while you were playing tennis or this was before you were playing tennis?
1: Um, I think it was before I played tennis.
0: It was before. So then that seed was already in your mind about Superfly. Yeah, yeah, it was there already. Yeah. And uh, what was it about Superfly, that movie in particular, that just said, yes, this is what I like and this is what I want to do?
1: Well, you know, uh, I'm I'm from Texas mm-hmm. and I would go back to Texas every summer to work with my uncles, you know, mm-hmm. um, make some money and, you know, get some working, some working uh, skills. Mm-hmm. And in Texas, my uncles used to say, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am to white people, okay. even if they was younger than they were. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and the white people used to call him by their first name, so I, I kind of felt that that was a a, a form of disrespect, mm-hmm. in a sense. You know, why should uh should you be saying yes, sir, to a young white person, and they call you by your first name? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, when when I saw the movie Superfly, it was the first time in my life that I saw a black man dominate white men. Got you. And I don't know if you remember the scene, but at the at the scene, they were uh, they were harassing him and. Uh, he took off on him. he, he beat him up, yeah. and then they grabbed him and they had the gun to his head and he said, hold up. Uh, if you hurt one hair on my head that big butt little white girl you got that's going to school to such and such a school. She ain't safe. Your wife ain't safe. I took a contract out on your life.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, uh your wife too. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think I got some, 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 some niggas to do it. No, I got some good white folks killers. And if you hurt one hair on my head, they're going to take care of you. And, 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 that terrified the police. You know, it's just like they, they backed up off of him. So that was the first time in my life that I'd ever seen that. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, growing up in L.A., we've been made to sit down on the curb by the police, and you know, just different things that uh that we shouldn't have had to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And and I didn't like it. You know, I didn't like sitting on the curb. Yeah. You know, I didn't like it uh, uh, laying on your stomach on the ground. And and we had been through that, so. To see a black man make the cops stand down like that was like, mm-hmm. wow, Yeah, I want, I want that power. And yes. uh, what I realized is that in, in my young mind, I fixed that cocaine is what gave him that power.
0: I understand there. So again, this is the seed that's planted back then but then you decided to go sports because was there anybody involved with cocaine within your reach at that point there while you were in tennis?
1: No, I, I never seen cocaine before.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So you figured, okay, that's a nice fantasy. That's okay. I'm going to just go and do tennis here. I'm going to figure my way out here. So then now when you were about to get your scholarship or you're trying to get a scholarship and they figured out that you could know you couldn't read or write, how did that make you feel? And then what was your next move from there?
1: Well, I thought the system had, had let me down again, you know, uh, people had told me, you know, that I should go to school, but nobody had explained to me why and, 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 and how to, to actually do that. So, um, when, when, when it was time for me to, 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 uh, to graduate and, and, and I couldn't read or write and they told me that I needed schooling to, uh, to do that it it threw me for a curve you know Mm -hmm. something that i wasn't prepared for
0: yeah and what grade was this we're speaking about here 12th grade 12th grade okay and this was at the beginning of 12 or at the end of 12 the end the end of 12 okay so when did you get involved with the teacher the upholstery teacher that was actually that introduced you to the coke game
1: right after that right
0: after that Right okay. after the 12th grade. Mm-hmm. All right. And what did he actually, how did that conversation go and actually start in the first place?
1: Well, we we were friends. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we played tennis together. Okay. Um, and, you know, I was messing with cars. I started low riding. And, okay. And um, he told me that I should come and learn how to do interior, you know, because uh, I wanted to get my car done anyway. So, you know, I might as well learn how to do it. So that's how it started. It went from there to uh, when I started selling cocaine, I stopped going to class. So um, when I saw him again, he asked me, where had I been? And I explained to him uh, that I was selling cocaine.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Wasn't that even though you guys were kind of close, wasn't that kind of something weird to tell the teacher at the time?
1: It was, it was, but, but he, he was more than a, just a teacher. You know, he was a friend. Yeah. He was somebody that I trusted, you know, that I felt, uh, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't exploit you, you know, wouldn't take your weaknesses and use them against you. Okay. So, uh, I, I didn't want to tell him, but you know, he kept prying mm-hmm. you know, he kept prying. Where you been? Where you been? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I felt I felt I should tell him.
0: Yeah. And then after you told him, where did it go from there?
1: He told me to come by his house Mm -hmm. that night. So I went Mm -hmm. by his house that same night. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's where the whole saga really, this is where everything really started to kick off then.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it had kicked off before that, though. I mean, it had already kicked off in my mind already. I was Mm -hmm. already
0: uh, on the move. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so it was already, it was on and popping already. So you just actually now needed the merchandise because in your mind you made up your mind. Okay, this is where we're going. I just need to find the merchandise to actually get this ball rolling.
1: I was getting the merchandise already before. Mm -hmm. Okay, but but he 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 enhanced. He enhanced that. (laughs) (laughs) He
0: was the he was the connect. You know what I mean? He made it start happening for you in a different way from there. All right, and then I. I think I read your story, you actually started out with a 50 and you had brought it to somebody to exactly show them what it was. Correct. Yeah. And then what had happened from there?
1: Uh, He used it all up. Yeah. (laughs) Then he owed me $50.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And this is back in the 70s or 80s? Uh, Late 70s, early 80s. Okay, it's just because I wanted people to understand that fifty dollars back then is probably about two hundred dollars right now. So, for somebody to owe fifty bucks, yeah, right, more. <laughs> <laughs> right off more the top, more, huh?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah Being in debt, being in debt for for the fifty was not a good feeling. Yeah, and and the guy that I owed was a good friend of mine. Somebody that I I uh, I, I had a lot of respect for, and, and I I. You know, I didn't want to owe him any money. Yeah. Let's say that.
0: Let's say that. All right. I got you. I understand. And then when you started to actually move towards now, what was your first quote unquote big purchase as in, was it an eighth? Was it an ounce? What was your first big purchase where you felt like, okay, I'm actually doing something now? An eighth. Yeah. And exactly what is an eighth?
1: Three and a half grams.
0: Yeah. And this is the powder cocaine
1: yeah powder uh, um back then though it probably was about a gram of, of cocaine and about two and a half grams of cut yeah <laughs> you didn't get much you didn't get much cocaine in those days
0: <laughs> it was i guess it was considered a rich man drug back then so especially very yes
1: very rich man drug uh mm-hmm. you, you know you just imagine that a gram of cocaine was worth 350 dollars Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so clearly you gotta be. The price
1: dropped though. When the war on drugs, the price went down. (laughs)
0: Yeah. But you you would think it would actually you think it would actually go up.
1: Yeah, but it went down. It went totally the opposite. They created the war on drugs. When I started, I bought my first kilo for forty eight thousand. I bought my first ounce I paid, I paid thirty three hundred dollars for an ounce of cocaine. So you do 33 times 36. Yeah. So that mean kilos were probably work at that time about, I don't know, 200 something, 300,000 almost.
0: Crazy, crazy.
1: So they went from there. The last kilo that I bought, I think I paid 10,000.
0: That's a that's a that's a big deal. Di- OK, is it because you were in so deep or is the prices got so low?
1: I don't know. It's hard yeah. to tell which one happened.
0: Both, <laughs> hey,
1: both happened. I yeah. was in deep and the prices went low.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's a win-win for all parties involved.
1: Yeah, yeah. All and, right. you know, my mindset was that if it got cheaper, mm-hmm. then poor people could afford it. You got know, it. and 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 I was looking at it from, from a seller's standpoint. <laughs> I wasn't really uh, focused on users as much as I should have been. I should have been more focused on users than than I was. Um, but uh uh um, What I'm trying to say is that 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 I wanted it so that people in the ghetto could afford to buy it and resell it. That's what I that's what I was thinking. It was an industry for us to 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 uh to monopolize.
0: You you were gone there. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the 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 service had um disconnected for a quick minute there.
1: Oh, okay. You didn't hear me. Yeah.
0: No, no, no. I didn't hear what you were saying there.
1: Oh, I said that I, I was trying to run the price down so that the people in the ghetto would be able to afford to get in the game because it was too expensive for yeah. people in the ghetto. And, yeah. and I looked at it as if I was bringing a piece of Hollywood to, to the ghetto. Yeah. You know, we all wanted to be in Hollywood. You know, we wanted to be on stage like Michael Jackson and on yeah. Soul Train like Don Canias and, you know, all the other entertainers that was uh, enjoying the finer things of life. And, yeah. and I looked at cocaine as to be one of the finer things of life.
0: For sure. And where would you actually find your clientele at that time there since it was more or less considered a rich man type of drug?
1: Uh, you know, clientele, they, 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 they bring you clientele. If you stay, if you stay down, the clientele will come, you know, people will just come to you and introduce you to other people who,
0: who are using. Yeah. If you build it, they will come type of thing. Yes. Absolutely. No, definitely agreed. 100%. Now I knew that you also said that you thought your mission, your life mission was to sell cocaine. That was your life's mission. Yeah, I thought at one point. And where did you actually come up with that way of thinking in the first place? What made you think that?
1: Well, if you you grow up poor Mm -hmm. and hungry sometimes,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and then something starts to happen for you where you just get all the money that you ever dreamed about, then you start to believe that this is a gift Mm -hmm. from somebody that is powerful. Yeah, and at that time, I had been taught that God was all powerful. Got you. So, as big as this gift was, it had to come directly from God Himself. Yeah, nobody else could have did this for me. Not my mom. Not my dad. Not my uncles. Nobody I knew could have done that for me. Yeah, I didn't know nobody that was making the kind of money that I was making. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anybody that made that kind of money you talking about a million dollars every day some days three million dollars You know, it's like what the yeah, you know, where is this coming from? i ain't gonna question it. Just don't let it stop
0: don't stop at all (laughs) And especially then you're so new to it because when did you think you were rich and when did you discover? Okay, you know what? I am rich what was those two different stages?
1: I thought I was rich when I bought my first ounce. Okay. An ounce at that time, you know, you could break it down and it'd be worth about $9,000. Okay. So I got $9,000. dollars Um 18, 19 years old. Living in the ghetto with my mom, who house probably, I think my mom paid 15000 for her house.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so now I got half of what she paid for her house. Uh. In, in a shoebox,
0: crazy.
1: And the cool thing is that I could continue to make it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was a one-time thing, you know. It's like, okay, I could spend this whole nine today, and in a week, I'm gonna make it again.
0: Crazy. It, there was no end in sight. It just seemed <coughs> like it's gonna go on and
1: on and on.
0: <coughs>
1: it did. It did. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you know, when you start having it like that, you start to think. Mm-hmm. You know like i did that yes. it was a blessing from god
0: yeah makes sense and when did you know that you were rich when did that light bulb hit you like oh, okay you know what we are rich here now
1: you know i really didn't understand uh, uh I, I didn't really understand money okay you know um i was still young you know i'm still you know i built my motel i think i was like twenty, twenty two, twenty three 22 23 years old okay um, uh, no training, no formal training, you know, no father, um, uh, I'm picking up mentors as I go, Yeah. but I don't even know that I should be picking up mentors. This is just happening naturally.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: the, 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 the lure of the money that I have is starting mm-hmm. to draw people to me, uh, that become mentors. Yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like I said, you know, hey, let me go find uh, a guy that's a contractor and get him to to teach me.
0: You know,
1: I I learned that from trying to build a motel, you know, that that I could learn from contractors and and that I could use a contractor's license to 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 do my own building. You know, that I could be a contractor myself. Yeah. Uh, So. So, um, you know, money brings knowledge. For
0: sure. And with that, now you said, what were some of your mentors actually telling you back then also? Because you figured, okay, we now have this lump sum of money. What were they telling you to do with the money?
1: about real estate? Mm-hmm. Back then everybody was saying, put your money in real estate, put your money in real estate, um, mm-hmm. uh, buy a property, put it in your family member's name to protect it, stuff like yeah.
0: that. There. Yeah. And do you take a lot of that advice? You Absolutely. A lot of
1: I bought a lot of real estate. Yeah, I had a lot of real estate.
0: <laughs> yeah. What were some of the stuff that you actually purchased?
1: Uh, motel, junkyard, apartment buildings, houses.
0: Yeah. Okay. And this is still while you're in your 20s? Yeah, I went to jail at 28 years old. Okay. So, yeah, you're... <laughs> wow. So, you... Uh, Amass all of this wealth, all of these millions of dollars before your 30s. Yeah, before I was 27. Yeah. Wow. And did you really understand what you were doing or how serious it was or what kind of trouble it could get you into at that time there?
1: No, not really. I knew that I could go to jail and, mm-hmm. and I was prepared for that. You know, I, I looked at it as if I was going to be the sacrifice lamb for my family, you know. Yeah. Uh, if I sacrificed myself, uh, my family would be good, you know, because mm-hmm. we were going around trying to get jobs and nobody would hire us. So, you know, I was like, why the hell are you going to look for somebody? Just create your own business. Yeah. And yeah. so that's that's really how I looked at cocaine and the business of cocaine was to establish uh, myself and my family in, in, into business.
0: Yeah, So you will figure that, okay, even if I got to sacrifice myself, I'll plant this tree here that's going to grow so big and everybody's going everybody's gonna to get something out of it because I put in the work first. I'm the right. founding father for the family. Right. Yeah. No, definitely that right there. Mentioning even Superfly. When you've seen it, you said, okay, this is what I want to be. When you actually became Superfly, was that lifestyle as glamorous as you thought it was going to be? Or did you even get a chance to really think back, say, hey, I made it to this level here right now?
1: Yeah, I, I loved it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I fell in love with the lifestyle. Um, I accepted it. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really understand that other people were being hurt yeah. from it, uh, mm-hmm. that other people uh, had to go without mm-hmm you know, in order for me to have. Um, and, and those are the things that started to make me look at it differently as mm-hmm. I got older. Mm-hmm. And that's how that's how I was able to quit. Uh, yeah. Going to jail didn't stop me from selling cocaine.
0: It was not jail that stopped you.
1: No, no, no. Yeah. I stopped on my own. Uh, yeah. I stopped about a year and a half before I got arrested. OK.
0: And what did you actually go to jail for in the first time?
1: Uh, drug trafficking.
0: Oh, so you went to jail for drug trafficking the first time
1: yeah only time all my all my convictions is drug trafficking
0: got you and how much did they actually charge you for at that time there
1: uh I think less than 49 keys <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had made we had made a deal uh, in Cincinnati Fair. uh they they said that uh I was bringing about about that much every month to Cincinnati is what they said Yeah. And um, they said that they would cut me a deal for forty nine keys under, which Mm -hmm. would put me at a certain uh, uh, sentencing guideline, which carried uh, uh, zero to 10 years. uh, So I was willing to take the 10 years. Okay, And we made a deal for that.
0: Yeah. And I know at that time there, the drug the drug laws were more it was more harsh on crack than it was actually on cocaine itself. Correct. So getting caught with 49 kilos of cocaine or crack? Cocaine. Cocaine. Okay. So then you weren't in that super danger zone at that time there.
1: No, no. 49 keys of crack would, would have given you a life sentence without the possibility of parole.
0: Yeah. Right away. Wow. What
1: happened is, is I had stopped selling crack at that time. Yeah. I had, uh, when I went to Cincinnati, uh, people didn't want it already cooked up. In LA, they wanted it already cooked. Got you. In Cincinnati, they didn't. They wanted powder. So it uh, really was the market that, that really drove uh, my situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm lucky that it did because had I, had I been selling crack down there, I would have gotten a lot more
0: time. Yeah. Your life, your life is so interesting from the people you've met to what they've done for you to what you've done for people. It's just unbelievable what you've been through. You understand? Yeah, yeah I get it I, I get it is it? <laughs> would you say it's lucky or would you say it's blessed?
1: Well, you know a, a lot of times you know uh i'm I'm always thinking of mm-hmm. how to to better my position, mm-hmm. you know how to to do it better and right and and mm-hmm. I think that we have to put that into uh the equation as well you yeah. know a little luck, a little planning. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> and the rest is history
1: yes because right. I mean, that- if 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 if, if when, when you look at it, I don't know if you had the chance to to read this article right here in l a magazine
0: no, I didn't read that one there
1: oh, you didn't read this oh, you got this is the best article they ever wrote on me. it's called okay. uh it says the crack King is back, yeah, and in this article, this guy he is uh He's writing my obituary. He says he's he's writing my obituary. Wow. It's, Crazy. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. He says uh, L.A.'s most famous drug dealer was doing life. I was writing his obituary. And 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 in that in that in that article, it, it, you saw the documentary. Yes, I did.
0: Cracks in the system. Okay. Yep.
1: Okay. At the beginning of that documentary. Me and him are talking.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm in jail. Yes. where We don't see you. We just hear you.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm. That's the article that he was writing, but he was also recording it at the same time. So mm-hmm. uh, I was telling him all the things that I'm doing right now. Yeah, I was telling him about it in the interview yeah. when he was writing my obituary. He was writing my obituary and I was like, no, 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 I'm going <laughs> to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be telling yeah. politicians what to do. Uh, uh, uh preachers uh uh, you know i was going to be helping run this country basically is what i told him Mm -hmm. and he was saying how you gonna be doing that from a jail cell you you ain't never coming out of here you know you 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 done you're dead yeah you you dead you're not supposed to be talking (laughs) (laughs)
0: said no i'm not
1: in the article i was telling him about my books you know that i was going to have books coming out Mm -hmm. as you can see i got two books that's out right now yep Uh, bestsellers both of them are bestsellers Mm -hmm. uh one is a bestseller on amazon um the movie's almost almost finished the movie script is almost finished okay um now one thing i didn't count on was marijuana I had never thought yeah. that I would be in the marijuana industry.
0: <laughs> so but back then, when you when I you am. were, when you were in the cocaine game, were you actually dabbling in marijuana at that time too, or that was I that was nowhere? I okay. smoked
1: and I sold too. I sold a little bit. I just I didn't give it the attention that I should have. Yeah. You know, I didn't really understand
0: uh, marijuana. Yeah. But if you didn't think you probably thought it wouldn't give you the returns like how you were getting on the other stuff there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would have been having to, to to carry boatloads. Yeah. <laughs> Which wouldn't have been bad though. Which wouldn't have been yeah. bad, you know, because boatloads and marijuana carried about the same amount of time as two ounces of crack. So got you.
0: But it was too much space. You didn't have time to put this in any space here. You I could have I could have. Yeah. I could have yeah. I
1: could have had time. I had the places. You mm-hmm. know, I had houses and I had everything I needed I could have did it crazy
0: let me ask you when you when was the last time you actually heard of the rapper Rick Ross
1: I don't know he's fading away
0: yeah no When was that first time you heard of him
1: oh I thought you said it last time
0: no no first time you heard <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I
1: was in I was in prison and a young one of the young guys I had a book club in prison and and um, one of the guys that was in my book club came and bought me a magazine article and had this guy in there who said his name was Rick
0: Ross. And I was like, what? Yeah. And what was it like seeing that for the first time?
1: Um, it, it was, it was flattering. You know, it was flattering. Okay. You know, it's it's flattering to have somebody to name themselves after you, you know, um, I mean, you know, hip-hop has made me one of the, the, the biggest guys ever in hip-hop. Yeah. You know, uh, especially for somebody that's not a rapper. Yeah. You know, my name has been talked about probably more than anybody else, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the game. And and probably longer than anybody. You yeah. know, they've been mentioning me in rap. Uh, uh, Woo. From, from the 80s. Master Spade. Know. Master Spade in the 80s was doing it. And... They still doing it right now today and you know okay. and, and even you know guys like the baby they rap about my lifestyle you know what i did Great. and and, Great. and um it's just amazing you know that 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 it could have went so long and had so much influence
0: yeah yeah but uh what you don't know even the look the beard i've never seen a picture a modern picture without the beard from you're an adult I've never seen a picture without your beard there. So from the beard, the name, the lifestyle, that influence has married hip-hop for generations to come right now. Just because of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Beyond. What was the inspiration behind the beard? Why you've always had your beard? It just grew. Yeah. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't uh, shave it because I would bump up. Yeah. So, so I'd rather kept the hair than bump up yeah and and, you know i'm always i'm always the kind of person that that um i go with functionality mm -hmm. over look if that makes sense
0: one hundred percent one thousand percent understood yeah some people they they
1: like look over functionality it looks good but it don't work yeah me on the other hand i would like something that works and i don't Mm -hmm. care how it looks yeah
0: (laughs) <laughs> I could I could tell you're just so down to earth when you were in your I'm gonna ask you a couple more questions before I get you out of here when you were in your heyday because I know you're you seem to be a very down-to-earth person what was one thing that you actually did that you had to actually check yourself and say hey Rick you're acting you're doing too much right now
1: I don't know uh mm-hmm. I'm a pretty good checker of myself. You know, I'm always looking at what I do and and I'm always judging myself. I try Mm to, I try to judge myself constantly. Uh, and I'm always constantly trying to improve my, my position.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, so if it was something that I saw that I was doing wrong, Mm -hmm. I would correct it.
0: Yeah.
1: I would start trying to correct it. You know, like right now I'm trying to, reverse this the stomach that i did out of
0: this is the uh, hardest thing
1: hey this is yeah. the hardest thing i ever tried to to correct crazy you know?
0: <laughs> and you've been correcting for a while now crazy
1: yeah but but i'm pretty critical i try to be critical of myself you know mm-hmm. i try to be my best uh my, my best credit mm-hmm. i try to uh be the guy who get myself back on track mm-hmm. you know uh, it's the thing about, you know, when you play tennis, you have to coach yourself. Okay. So I don't know if you ever watch the tennis matches and you see them talking to themselves. Yeah. Well, that's yep. because they, then you get used to coaching yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you try to figure out what you're doing wrong and, and, and you try to correct them. Tennis has really been a blessing to me. I mean, yeah. you know, playing a game of tennis, uh, I went to a, a, a clinic at UCLA and the coach was saying that in one tennis match, a person makes over 60,000 decisions.
0: Yes, I did remember hearing that. Yep. So, so
1: you know, when you figure that you're making those kind of decisions on a daily basis, uh, you become a pretty good decision maker.
0: Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes 100% sense. And when the last time you were in jail, how long were you actually in jail for? Uh,
1: the last time I did 14 and 8. And the first time I did five and three or something like that.
0: Five. So you did twenty, twenty all together.
1: Yeah, twenty something all together, like twenty and three months, I think. It yeah. Something.
0: So your last stretch there, how different was the world when you actually came out, opposed to when you went in?
1: Oh uh, well, you know, the biggest difference was the internet, the internet and cell phones. You know, when I went to jail, I was a, one of the few people who had a cell phone in the neighborhood. And when I got out, little kids had cell phones, so it was a big difference. The prices had dropped. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember my phone bill used to be like 75 cent a minute to make a phone yeah. call. So uh, when I got out, they had these plans where you could get unlimited minutes for 60 bucks and 100 bucks. And I was like, what the hell? So, So it was a big difference.
0: That was the biggest difference for you there. Wow, yeah, probably
1: that the Internet, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, being here and how, how much people depend
0: on computers. Yeah, where it went from actually not really being in anybody's life to being in everybody's life. Almost it seemed like an overnight process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Crazy there. All right. I know you've been out since '09 to 11. What's the biggest difference with Rick Ross from 2009 to 2020?
1: well i I finally started to learn my way around you know i'm knowing i'm knowing people now you know i know who's full of shit and you know who you can count on um uh, i'm learning what businesses work what businesses don't work um Mm -hmm. and and you know i'm generating a little money now Mm -hmm. you know when i got home i had 200 bucks uh so, so it was very important that you have some money when you, uh, when you're doing things
0: yeah.
1: because w- without money, it's, it's hard to, uh, maneuver in in this society.
0: You're right. And what was your first business venture when you came home?
1: Uh, I started a trucking company. Uh, I started a website, uh, freeway okay. enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else did I do? Mm. I was on my speaking engagements, you know, I was still doing right the here. speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I started the t-shirts.
0: Uh, like the music. ones you're wearing right now? Yep. 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 Stand up so we can see it one second. Yeah? The real Rick Ross is not a rapper. <laughs> and it's, it's
1: even funny how that came about. You know, um, I was on a Joe Rogan show one day and in and, a and, uh, I told Joe that I was doing bad financially. Mm-hmm. And he told me that uh, that I should do a t-shirt. And uh, I was walking down the street and this kid stopped me and he was like, man, we got a t-shirt idea for you. Yeah. And they told me what it was. Real Rick Ross is not a rapper. I was like, ah, oh, that's so fucking corny. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but you know what? Um, uh, I did like i always do and i listened Mm -hmm. and i went with the kid he made it up and he gave me 100 shirts and i sold them all the same day
0: (laughs) not so corny after all no
1: i said well you know what that kid was on to something yeah and and then i didn't even know who the kid was but he's a famous uh he's a famous designer too so
0: (laughs) okay so it's a win-win for all parties involved
1: yeah yeah so you know Mm -hmm. you just never know that's why you have to keep an open mind you Know all mm-hmm. the time, let your mind be open and let it let it let it roam, you know, let it be free, let it mm-hmm. let it just study, charm up life, you know, for you.
0: And do you think that that's one of your biggest assets from back then to right now was actually listening and observing what's going on around you? Yes, definitely.
1: Uh, paying attention, uh, being open minded is definitely a plus, you know. So many people are closed minded that they can't see. Uh, what's going on, you know, because there's opportunities all around us here in this country. Yeah.
0: You just got to figure it out and find out what it is. Yeah. Two last questions before I get you out of here. I want to talk about your um, marijuana business right now. All right? what What's the name of it? Uh, L.A. Kingpin. L.A. Kingpin. And how did you actually get involved with marijuana, legal marijuana, I bet?
1: Well, I started off on a black market. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing bad, uh, was having problems paying my rent
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, I just got off parole mm-hmm. and one of my partners came over and he was like, uh, man, I'm going to the cannabis cup out here in San Bernardino. You ought to roll with me. And I was like, ah, I don't want to be around that. I don't want to be around those guys, you know, with that mm-hmm. weed and shit, that dope and, yeah. You know, because I was indoctrinated in my mind what I had, had been through in court. And I just got off parole, so I was still like, you can get violated <laughs> for that. You know what I mean? So um uh, so uh, he eventually talked me into going out. Uh, and I never saw nothing like it before, you know. I took two hundred books with me. I sold all the books that I took mm-hmm. with me. That's how he got me to go. He said, Man, I bet they'll buy some books out there. Yeah. So so they bought all the books and then I see these people and they got big jars of marijuana and trash bags of marijuana just sitting on the counter and the police are walking by and the police are protecting them. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on here?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, when I got home that night, you know, I told my brothers, I said, Man, I'm finna get in the marijuana industry, man. Mm-hmm. Because I I was, I was, you know, I was kind of shocked that, that, you know, even though my brothers all smoked marijuana, been smoking all their lives, that they had put marijuana stores on the corner of our our street. Crazy. And I'm (laughs) like, how you guys let people that don't look like us come to our neighborhood and sell weed, you know, on our block, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and you guys are not getting involved. So, you know, I said that I couldn't take the same thing that they did. I had to go out and, 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 and open some doors. So, uh, I got busy, you know, uh, I stayed on the black market <clears throat> It starts to do really well too. I got stopped up in the mountains with a hundred and five thousand one one day. And that kind of set me back a little bit, but from the black market, uh, I started to hear that the city was, uh, going to give up more licenses okay. and that they wanted people from the black market to get in, to get involved, you know? So, uh. I started going to all the city hall meetings and, you know, talking to the councilmen and, and so forth. And then the next thing, you know, uh, I find out what it takes to get a license.
0: And here you are.
1: Yeah. And I got, I got a, a cousin and a brother too that may get one as well. Okay. They had no clue. They had no clue about a license, but I put them up on what they had to do. Uh, they signed up. So maybe they're going to get there to the next round.
0: Yeah. And is it for to be a a legal grower or is it to open a dispensary? Is it to have your own strain? Exactly. What is it for? All that. All of that.
1: All of that. Yeah. They just let your boy get
0: all of that. I can do all of that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I want it all of that. I want all of that.
0: With your mind and how it works. Oh, man. Oh, Oh man.
1: Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, I I see this could possibly be a turning point, you know, in history.
0: Yeah. Because I only
1: would imagine how big I would be in the cocaine business if nobody never stopped me. And then if I'd have been able to advertise on TV and on billboards (laughs) and all that,
0: it would have been crazy.
1: Um, It would have been crazy. Imagine
0: that. Imagine that, eh? I'd
1: go go to a store and say, hey, this is Rick Ross. I got the best cocaine in the world. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's it's wild how life works because nobody could ever tell you that a couple years down the road that you'll be into marijuana legally and you could go to a convention and police didn't stop anybody They're actually protecting people
1: well you'll see when you read this article i didn't know anything about cocaine i told them yeah. all the other businesses that i was going to do yeah you know like boxing you know i'm going to be the king of boxing yeah you know, I'm going I'm to I'm have a fighter that make more money than Floyd Mayweather. I, I got a young fighter right now that's dynamite, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to show him how that anybody could do, you know, basically what Floyd did.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what you put your brain power to now on a legal way, because trust me, what you've done on the black market, now you're going to do it legally is crazy. Last question I got for you here. I want to talk about your new podcast you have. All right looking for game podcasts how did you come up with that there
1: uh my man echo came up with the idea yeah
0: um
1: and uh when he told me about it i thought it was brilliant mm-hmm.
0: and what are you actually trying to do with your podcast and your platform right now
1: well eventually i want to uh to go to one of the one of the major one of the major uh uh, uh
0: distributors
1: with it mm-hmm. with the idea and mm-hmm. and and possibly uh, uh I'll get that done. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been talking to World Star about okay. uh, possibly doing a deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm just gonna ride it. You know, I, it's good for it's good for everything I do, though. Yeah, you know, it helps.
0: So it ties everything back into the brand because I seen you had a yeah. conversation with um, Jane Elliot the other day.
1: Oh no doubt that was yeah. wonderful, man. Jane yeah. is dope. Jane yeah. is dope.
0: Yeah especially with right now with what's going on how did you guys even say okay let's do that on my platform
1: well i have have a team of people Mm -hmm. you know people see me and and they may think oh that's rick but no Mm -hmm. it's not just me i got a team of some really really smart people Mm -hmm. you know uh and they they really uh they put out my people really put out a lot of energy uh and they may not be as quite as dedicated as I am to this, but they're pretty dedicated. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, I would have to, uh, I would have to get them some credit for, for a lot of the things that, that I get done, you know, they bring ideas to me, they screen ideas mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, they kind of know what I like and what I don't like. And, and, yeah. and that makes, that makes life a little easier for you. You know, when you got people around you who,
0: who know you. Yeah. That makes a 100% sense. What's the biggest misconception of Rick Ross?
1: Well, I, I think for, for, for the business world is that they don't think I can do business. You know, uh, people people don't know that. I, I read over 300 books while, while I was in prison. And so what I wanted to do is when I was in prison, guys used to tell me, older guys used to be in there and they would say, man, if you could just mix the streets with the books, uh, uh, you would be unstoppable. Yeah. So so what I wanted to do is is I wanted to learn how to uh combine the two. You know, how to take everything I learned from the streets and mix it with the books. So that's why I read so many books. And and you know, that's why you know
0: I'm so uh, dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it on that word there. Listen, all this great stuff you're doing everywhere. Leave your contacts so they can check out what you're doing and see what you're doing and follow you on your journey because believe you me, your journey is far from over. Oh, no question. No question. Uh, right
1: now, I'm also working on a, a Black agenda You know where I'm going to get the smartest people I can find and bring them into the Black community to teach Black people how to conduct business. I'm working on that as well. It's coming on good.
0: As okay. Matter of fact,
1: this saturday at six o'clock we're gonna have jay morrison jay morrison uh, raised 12 million dollars he's an ex-crack dealer uh, and he'll be on there speaking on how he did it and he's gonna help me do it so yeah. uh check out check us out on zoom uh also mm-hmm. you can follow me at freeway ricky on instagram and on facebook Freeway ricky ross mm-hmm. uh, if you want to buy the books if you want to buy the books you can go to my website freewayrickyross.com Mm-hmm. Uh, we remodeling it so you see a website that's going to be off the change. Alright. Uh, coming real soon. Uh, and we're going to be posting on our website all of the dispensaries that you can go and buy the product in. Also, we're going to have our own delivery service. We're setting up to do our own delivery service here in California so okay. uh, be on the lookout for the delivery service coming soon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I guess that's it
0: yeah (laughs) a lot a lot a lot of great stuff trust me when i come to california definitely got to come check you out or if for some miracle you get to canada you got to come check me out also
1: well we got to figure that out i'm gonna need some help
0: i'm gonna need some help listen the help is right here one phone call one email one text right away this podcast is brought to you by Com.